Hafiday Guam, welcome back to the Guam Guy Show, episode three. Our topic this episode is the extreme cleanups we've been doing and the extreme cl- cleanups still to come. Uh, joining me today is Will Naden. Uh, he's a coastie, meaning he's in the Coast Guard. Uh, you're you're about to graduate uh, from UOG, right? Yeah. Uh, hey, everybody. Um, yeah, I'm an undergrad at uh, University of Guam, trying to get my degree in integrative biology. Um, outside, uh, as Fran said, I'm in the Coast Guard as a reservist here on island, um, and I'm also a, a small boat captain at most of your local marinas. If I'm not mistaken, you were born on a boat already holding the helm, yeah? Uh, yeah, I was steering <laughs> the wheel before I could talk. <laughs> I actually believe that. <laughs> uh, joining, returning to the show, Mike Kittergo, I'm a very good friend, free runner, cyber lord over at Bellow Wings Aviation, our topic uh, from last episode. If you haven't seen, definitely check it out. Hi, Mike. Hey, good to be back. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, cool. Thanks. And uh, also joining us, uh, new to the show, uh, Joni Kerr, assistant uh, professor at Guam Community College. Uh, some, what do you do with Eco Warriors? Oh, well, I'm a founder of the Eco Warriors uh, oh, wow. group. Yeah, student organization. Although we haven't been active as a student organization since COVID started, but we still have our Eco Warrior community members. And, um, and so we still keep in contact and occasionally we were able to do like social media ev- activities mm-hmm. or um, like a video uh, for, yeah, to uh, raise awareness about like the firing range. Are you, are you guys the ones that did cleanups or at least one cleanup in Marble Cave before, every, before it got all flooded? Uh, we, we actually have been active with the uh, Guam Coastal Cleanup Mm-hmm. Uh, Internet, Guam International Coastal Cleanup for years. I can't tell you exactly when we started, um, but we, we uh, became formalized in 2011. And since then, we've always had a site to clean up for every coastal cleanup. Mm-hmm. But, um, and we were at Marble Cave for at least two cleanups. And, uh, and we, we actually didn't need to tackle right near the cave because that's not too bad. But it was really the road going down to Marble Cave where we concentrated our efforts because it's a really notorious uh, dumping ground. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Oh, yeah, it just, it just occurred to me, you know, um, part of uh, how I, I got started with, uh, I guess, media would have been my uh, going for a swim in Marble Cave after the flood. Like Chris Malafunction Barnett's actually the one that told me about that. He sent me a picture and... I don't know. I, he didn't say anything out loud or a voice message, but I can I read his text in my head. It's like, hey, Jello, uh, did you see this uh, pictures of Marble Cave? That's crazy. And then, of course, I went down to check it out. And then I just put two and two together. I remembered, uh, yeah, you've done some cleanups there. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, also, a treasurer for a new nonprofit called Tano Tassis and Toto. Is that yep. correct? Mm-hmm. And so maybe we'll talk about that a little bit. But um, get excited, you guys. It's a pretty cool nonprofit. Uh, I'll be collaborating with on some interesting things to come up uh so cool uh yeah so where do we really get started with this um i guess a good place to start would be oka point uh that was one of the first cleanups um we did i guess as an informal group or very much an informal group or just a group of friends that just kind of do our thing i had the idea like at 10 or 11 o'clock one night and i just called uh mike over here (laughs) and i just said hey dude Let's clean up Oka Cliff, Oka Point Cliff, with repelling gear. And he's like, "Yeah, I'm down." <laughs> what do you remember receiving that call? Yeah, um, I just thought, "Hey, um, it's a crazy idea. Not crazy for us, but it's doable. So yeah, why not?" I've always been there and saw the trash and disappointed. So I'm like, "Yeah, we should clean it. It's a great idea." 
All right. Pretty epic. Beautiful. Yo. I like that uh, you said 11 o'clock at night. I feel like some of the grand ideas for going out and doing something extreme happen at 11 o'clock when you're just kind of like sitting there in your living room bored. You know, it's like, I want to do something really interesting. Let me hang off a cliff <laughs> and pick up trash. You know, I would not at all be surprised if there's science on this. Like, you know, as we get closer to, our, you know, later on in our circadian rhythm, as we get closer to sleeping and our our conscious state is dwindling down and our maybe our dream state is sort of awakening, so to speak, I, I, I bet that's a lot of my most creative ideas come oh. when I'm like sleep deprived or close to sleep. Absolutely. Some of like the world's most complicated problems have been solved in dreams. Like people have disco discovered cyclo uh, structures for organic chemistry mm -hmm. through mm -hmm. their dreams. <laughs> yeah, that was benzene. Yeah, I think it was benzene. Yeah. It was uh, snakes eating each other. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, um, I'll just play our very first uh, video uh, from Oka Point Cleanup. So we're just gonna repel down a little bit and uh, see what kind of trash we can pick up today. See how it goes. Two things really stand out to me at Oka Point. The first is obviously the amazing view, and the second is how there's always so much trash. Can't even see the ground. How much trash is here, especially cans. So I'm just trying to fill up these buckets, keep it going. It's brutal. <laughs> a small group of friends and I recently started rock climbing and thought we could use our skills for good. We chose to rappel down for safety reasons and it's a good thing we did because it was treacherous with bottles, cans and rocks easily rolling underfoot. It's so dense Nick accidentally triggered a mini avalanche of trash. We filled up eight bags of trash and barely made a dent. So, Mike, you were there. When's the last time you watched this video? Or how, how do you feel watching this again? Oh, man. It uh, brings back memories. Well, partly I'm criticizing myself on the exposure of the camera. Just a little nitty-pitty details. But, yeah, besides that, um, yeah, that was, that was a um, sad but fun uh, experience. You know, sad to see all the trash, but fun to, you know, rappel down and do something cool. And just, like, how many times do you... Uh, hang off a cliff and do good for the world. Yeah, I mean, I wonder, like, how many people, like, rock climb, period, and then much less how many rock climb and pick up trash? I haven't heard of any. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's very much a bittersweet thing, isn't it? Like, uh, you know, we're doing all this, we're doing this stuff because we care, and it's, and it, honestly, it's really fun. And, but also, it's unfortunate we have to do it at all. It'd be better if we didn't have to do anything. So hopefully one day we get this clean and then we don't have to do it anymore or don't have to do it so often. Mm -hmm. I, I do have to acknowledge, though, the, the people uh, who do these cleanups with us and couldn't join us because there's only so many people you can have on a show, right? And I'll just call them out right now. Uh, Alex Chan, who is a high school teacher at uh, Tizen. Uh, Kate Hayes, who's also in the Coast Guard, uh, one of our safety people because uh, she's an experienced climber. She, she had our ropes uh, when we first started out and gear and got us all started. Uh, Nick Oceanic, oh man, I'm sorry, Nick, I don't know how to pronounce your last name, um, works for uh, immigration, actually, uh, if I recall correctly. USCIS is the, is the, is the full acronym. Uh, also, a more experienced climber awesome dude this guy has got like people think i'm high energy this guy is just never stopping it's amazing uh brian santos 
Uh, Kara Lynn. Hi, Kara. Uh, coral fellow uh, working with mangroves and seagrasses. Uh, Jess uh, Feheran or Ari. I'm not sure which one of those is her real last name. Hey, Jess. Uh, grad student over at UOG Marine Lab. Uh, Julio uh, Didasco. I can't remember his real last name, but that's his middle name. Uh, Kenji. What's her real name? Kendra. Kendra, Kendra Bird? Bird? Yeah, Kendra Bird over at, <laughs> at uh, Tizen, also a high school teacher. Um, of course, we got Mike here. Paul Witt, uh, is, uh, an inspector, also extremely experienced climber and safety guy. So if you look at the way he sets up some of our stuff, it's like like you it's it's overkill with safety which is definitely the way to go with climbing uh so big thanks to all you guys uh, i wish we could all be here together but uh you're with us on video and in our hearts <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh joni yeah well, go ahead. well i i just want to point out that um with your skills your group skills um i know it is unfortunate that there has to be trash there at all in that really beautiful place but I just don't see anybody else who would have done that, you know, gone mm. and collected the trash like that. Because I don't think there's any group that would have been able to do it the way you guys did it. You know, I you actually can't go in from the from the sea, obviously. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, I actually think it might have been done before. I was talking with see uh, see Dan over at uh, Southern Mountain Gear, and I said they tried to do a cleanup over at the the regular Oka Point that with where people go fishing off oh, the, of the staircase. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Oh yeah. So maybe they were we, like we maybe did that. Do that. Oh okay. You were yeah. there. Wow. Yeah, we were there. <laughs> Epic. Yeah, oh, but was like, anybody climbing? Not climbing, but we set up. Um, what do you call it? Uh, a police system. Okay. We borrowed this. Uh, I bet Roki was on top. Yes. Yeah, okay. The police system from Department of Ag, and that we were able to. Um, Right, right. Bring up like, oh my goodness! I think I remember a bed frame, heavy, heavy bags of trash, mm -hmm. and um, and so that really helped. Uh, people were down there filling the bags, and attaching uh, furniture and stuff to this, to the to the um, the rope, mm -hmm. and, and then people up on top would pull it up. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was crazy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, on the note of people with skills, we're actually we'll talk about a little bit more about that toward the end of the show. So I'm happy to we'll say that. But yeah, sticking with you here, our last escapade together, um, we did a you 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 had called me and you because you had said you found a ghost net over outside of Hilan or outside of uh, Lost Pond. You wanna wanna recap that what that call was about or what that call was like? Sure, I think <laughs> if I can remember. But uh, but okay, so it started last year. I think it was May. My family and I went out to uh, uh, Latin Sharks Pond and um, and I went snorkeling and I found the net. And I thought, okay, we're going to have to come back and get this, but not today. We can't do it today. We're not equipped. And so I called you later, but it, I mean, I think it was months later, hmm. um, just because it just got really busy. But, um, but then you suggested, yeah, let's go get it. Uh, and I was so pleased that we could arrange to do this. But you also introduced the idea of extracting it not, and not just carrying it back on the beach, on the coastline, but extracting it, loading it onto kayaks, and then bringing it back. <laughs> and that, I thought, was interesting. And uh, um, and it actually turned out to be a lot of fun. <laughs> so <laughs> I really, really enjoyed it. I'm glad you suggested that. It was slightly yeah. less fun for me because I forgot to bring gloves. And you, oh. you brought gloves for everyone right. ex except me. <laughs> you could have asked. 
<laughs> I didn't know. I didn't realize. I had no. extra into the kayak. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't no. think about it. I just. Uh, I don't know why I didn't think to ask if anybody had brought extra gloves or anything like that. But yeah, I wanted to bring the kayaks because. I did not know how much junk would be stuck in the nets and how much weight that would be. I didn't know how long it was. Uh, so like how we're going to manage, like, right. are we going to carry that back on our backs? So I thought the, the kayaks would have been uh, um, just a, a good safety measure to have or or even yeah, and just a practical approach to, to bring it back. Mm -hmm. uh, if you recall, I got video of that and I'll just I'll just pull that up right in a second. Arriving at... Shark's Hole or Hilaan. Our mission today is to remove a ghost net. We got to Shark's Hole and quickly found the net was broken into multiple segments. And this one was definitely the longest section. The water was clear enough and the net was so gunked up you could easily see the segment from above. Now here's the problem. We have all this beautiful coral like this one with a puffer hanging out inside of it and right next to it we have this net stuck on live coral. Sadly, most of the ones we found stuck in the net were dead. Some of it was still white, which shows the death was recent, and some coral was actually still alive and just barely hanging on. In any case, we took our time with the tedious work of removing all the live and dead coral. It was slow going, but we did the best we could. The net had obviously been out for a while and had plenty of time to get fouled up. Sad to say, this is at least the third net I've helped pull off the reef just this year. Yeah. Will, growing up in the water, how does that make you feel? Uh, it's really awesome seeing these projects go down and like, it's not just snorkeling, right? It's not just free diving, it's like free diving with a true purpose, you know? And there's something that's, a, that's really like fulfilling about that, especially when it comes to something that you care about, like the ocean, something you really love, to be able to go out there and like give back to her, you know, like help her out when we uh, there's people out there who aren't doing that at all and are actually leading to these detrimental um uh issues uh i, I teckening is that's a that's a sore issue for me because yes I, it's uh it's a very common practice and it's it's very easy to harvest from a tekken but if you're not responsible for it you end up with situations like that where you know man maybe the guy had like a couple ends of the tekken fouled and he just said oh never mind i'm just going to leave it there without any consideration of what the causes of destruction would be afterwards, you know, and like for somebody else to find that, I only wish that the guy who owned that Tekken could see the problem that he created, you know, and maybe it's, it could just be an education thing, um, but hopefully that kind of like would open up his eyes and like highlight like, hey, just because you left it there doesn't mean it just disappears from your eyes, it's going to be there for all of us to see. Yeah, and and yeah. Usually we think about fouled nets and like dead sharks or whatever or dead fish. But like you know, if you like reef fish, then you better like the reef and you better like the coral because that's why they're there, right? And so look, if you can, you can just see how much coral is like just tangled in that. Some of it was uh, still had a little bit of like living tissue, so it wasn't completely dead. But like that's just a lot of very very unnecessary death. Yeah. I that net was still. Um, like attaching itself to pieces of the reef but there was a time where when it was more intact it was far far more detrimental especially mm -hmm. when all these fish end up getting caught in it and then uh, larger predators come into feeds you're looking at a very degraded net i'm sure that there was more death and uh just absolute destruction associated with that net not just when you guys found it but when it was still fresh 
and the, the holes of that net were still able to catch fish. I'm sure there were plenty of fish that had died and uh, were caught trying to eat off other fish that were inside that net. Mm. And not only that, but, uh, you know, this is just one net. And I used to think it was, you know, you hear about it being a major problem around the world, and I never thought it was a big deal here. But then I, now that I think about it, I'm pulling a net off of the reef every few months, and they last basically for forever. Right. Uh, right. Do, do, or, yeah, is that true? Jenny? If they're plastic, yeah. Okay. And, and, um, and then when they, they do eventually degrade and get into pieces, and then you get your pla microplastics and all of that, and that's a problem. So this net, I thought it had lead weights. It didn't. It was, they were actually plastic, hard, hard plastic. And that, that also is a problem because of, you know, eventually degrading into microplastics, which are making their way into our, <laughs> to our food source of fish and so on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think the cultural aspect of, of Tekken is, uh, yes, it's uh, gigaos and stuff like right. that. That was very cultural uh, back in the day. But uh, if we really want to revert to, you know, like uh, tapping into that actual cultural side of it, instead of using plastic, we really should consider fiber nets, mm -hmm. you know, and perhaps not uh, full on Tekkens. Um, gigao, if you get a chance to look up gigao, it's essentially this containment. Fishing wear? Sorry? The fishing weir. Where? Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. It, it was used to contain fish. You wouldn't actually like catch and kill them. You'd just keep mm -hmm. them all in this one area. And, um, you know, the ones that you didn't want wouldn't get stuck and die. They could just throw them off. Mm -hmm. uh, those tekkens, it's anything gets caught in there. If you're not on top of it right. and that fish doesn't have an ability to escape, it's, it's gone. So you're mm -hmm. pretty much harvesting stuff that you don't even care to eat. Well, I think there's a law, too, that um, limits the amount of time that you can leave a tekken, a gill net out. Is it, mm. I, I think it's like two hours? Uh, something Four like, hours, yeah, something, something like that. Like that. Mm. Um, and you've got to be on top of it. Yeah. Like I, When I was younger in high school, we'd uh, tuck in behind my, um, my friend's property. And we would, if we were off that net for like an hour or two, we'd have like dead baby sharks in there and just things that like, we weren't going to eat that, you know, like that's, and that was my, actually my first time ever teckening. And was, yeah. when I saw that, I was like, I don't want to do this, man. You know, like this, this is evil. <laughs> but it's, if you do it right, you can be very productive. Otherwise it's, it, it can be far, far more detrimental and do way more damage than you expect. Yeah. as evidence in your video. Yeah, and Will, you know, you yourself are no stranger to uh, to extreme cleanups and marine debris. I would, I definitely would consider you a, a spiritual predecessor of the Guam Extreme Cleanup Crew, as I call it, uh, with uh, your Mariso Pier project, you and uh, Leilani. And I'm going to go ahead and tell this a little bit of the story for you because I'm just so proud of you and proud of you and Lonnie. Uh, I just got a random call out of the day. Me and Will are still the types of people that just like to call people. Like, no, no like, warning text or anything. We'll just call each other. Hey. <laughs> and, you, and you call me one day, and you're like, hey, Farron, I want to organize a, a reef cleanup in my village. And that was m maybe one of the most, my favorite sentence I've ever heard spoken to me, except maybe my wife saying yes when I asked her to marry me. But anyway, um, that's such a, uh, I'm like, that is a beautiful thing. That is every conservationist, every environmentalist dream. It's just to hear some, a member of a community, especially a young person. You guys were 19 years old at the time. I checked. <laughs> you guys were 19 years old at the time. And you said, hey, I want to organize a reef cleanup in my village. And if only we had just even just a handful more people like that, can you imagine how much better Guam would be and how much better the world would be um, of, of a place and in terms of litter? So uh, what, what, what was the inspiration for that? I think, it, I think it's fairly obvious, but what was going on through your heart? What were you feeling when you were like, when this was, idea was flowing? Um, 
I'll just give you a little bit of background. I uh, I grew up down there. I my dad left me down there to be you know uh, ex- explorative, I guess. Um, but yeah, he'd like use the pier as a place to have other parents babysit us. <laughs> but uh, we'd be down there, and I just remember growing up and seeing the reef really lively and all the fish, and uh, you know that was. That was, was just our, right by the pier. Yeah, right by the pier. That okay. was our haven as kids. Um, and when I graduated high school, I got into conservation work, uh, and just kind of noticed that, you know, one, I started to learn that coral are actually living things. <laughs> mm. That was where, uh, everything kind of really clicked. You know, when I started seeing all this trash, um, not just at Marito Pier, but all over the island, I started to realize that, man, that those are actual living things dying out there. And, um, it wasn't very hard for me to go from uh that to scuba diving off my pier and seeing all the miles and miles of fishing line that had accumulated all those years uh so what the fishermen do off the pier is they cast their hook or their weight gets stuck to the coral and um there's really no other way to get your line back unless you want to throw on a mask and dive down to 100 feet and get it Mm -hmm. so they just cut the line and let it sink down to the bottom uh and after after 10, 20, 30 years of that stuff, uh, you'll start getting these drapes of um, fishing line over the coral. And those drapes, since the uh, plastic isn't natural, it accumulates algae and then it accumulates um, sediment. And that sediment uh, eventually starts blocking out the sun and uh, starts falling onto the living coral. And you'll start seeing this um, beautiful marine ecosystem just deteriorate before your eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had uh, you had the last one, uh, 2021. I, I actually got a video of that one. Uh, I'll go ahead and play that for everybody right now. On June 30, 2021, the Mariso Pier project hosted their fourth underwater cleanup. What began as the brainchild of, at the time, two 19-year-old teenagers, Will Naden and Lonnie Sablon, in its first year, has become an annual event attracting dozens of divers. And it's a good thing too because our reefs need all the help they can get. From a car to fishing lines, soda cans and tires, there's no limit to what kind of marine debris you can find in the ocean. We asked divers for help and help certainly came. Hey, uh, Dan, what are you doing there? Holding a boat. <laughs> what? Holding a big ass boat. What do you say, Ross? Believe it or not, this isn't even the first boat we pulled out of the water here. I know I'm grateful to Will and Lonnie for putting this on, all the volunteers who showed up, the staff who ran the event, and especially AmeriCorps for sorting and weighing all the trash, and the Mariso Mayor's office for always supporting. You know, I was just reading the, the text on there. We pulled out 2,000 pounds of trash in a day out of the water. 2,000 pounds of trash, not including 15 tires and a boat, a, literally a boat. That's the second boat I've pulled out. I don't know if anybody else pulled out boats, but that's the second <laughs> boat I pulled out of the water there. And I, got, I just got to tell you, Will and Lonnie, I am so, so proud of you guys for everything you do, uh, for being uh, for being, being a friend. Uh, this is a beautiful thing. And uh, um, while it didn't directly come to mind, I'm, I'm sure it's been like a deep-seated inspiration for me to do the things I do and the things I've been fortunate to have been you know, blessed with, like this podcast, for example. Absolutely. So thank you both. Um, yeah. No problem. <laughs> yeah, that, that whole so, project, it's an inspiration, I hope, to everybody in the village. Mm-hmm. You know, I hope they, they see what we do, and that's, 
that's the reason why we kind of try to th throw it as big as we can and try to get as many people as we can to go there because on a weekend Maritza Pier is going off there's always kids and mm -hmm. families down there enjoying themselves and the Maritza Pier project isn't just a project it really is a barbecue so <laughs> you can come down and grab some food um that's so in Sigu. That's so yeah. yeah like <laughs> this. Sorry, but this, was this the third year? The third one? Or uh, yeah, we third uh, or fourth. That I, was our third one. We had a okay. uh, we had COVID hit uh, around the same time that we got all of things in line for 2020. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't until 2021. So kind of able to throw it together. And uh, I think you're about to talk about the next one. Yeah, if uh, you want to grab yourself a couple of ribs and some barbecue chicken and uh, kind of have a fun evening in the sun down at Maritza Pier, uh, if uh, you'd like. You can show up at uh, 8 o'clock, July 3rd, bring your snorkeling gear, and um, July 3rd of this year, we're going to host the fourth annual Maritza Pier Project. Woohoo! Uh, nice. Get down there and clean up what others can't. <laughs> yeah, you, heard it, you heard it here first, July 3rd, uh, the next uh, annual Maritza Pier Project cleanup. Come on out, uh, especially if you're a certified diver. Um, tank up get underwater and bring up that trash uh you know you you, you become a diver because you think it's something fun and cool to do and you can have fun and do something cool and make it even cooler by helping out the ocean we love to dive in right we're uh, all really just <clears throat> instruments man and if you can get down there and uh use it for good we really appreciate it uh just to uh reiterate you don't have to be a certified diver mm. um i i had uh some of my village uh friends come over and like just we snorkel boys yeah spear fishermen and stuff that you know mm -hmm. they go out and they hunt uh every weekend and i was just like hey man can you just put the gun down one time and come help me out? <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> just uh fill up these mesh bags full of fishing line and cans mm -hmm. now all right so kind of all of this stuff has led up to what uh i just decided to brand ourselves and just call ourselves the guam extreme cleanup crew because it sounds fun <laughs> like uh, you know just regular garbage pickups they don't sound quite as fun they're no less valuable arguably they're more valuable since they go to places people frequent right and so they're also far safer um, but uh, so we thought we uh, we have an unusual skill set uh, with our, ourselves as a group and as, an, as individuals and I thought it would be absolutely uh, a fun and good idea to just do what we can what other people can't or aren't doing or not doing much of so um, I'm sorry if there's some people I, 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 who are doing, a, I guess, extreme cleanups. I'm just not aware. Uh, my apologies. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe you're all about the mission and you're, and you're not as gung-ho on social media as I am. So props to you if that's the case. <laughs> um, yeah, Maget. So obviously you're, uh, you're my, basically my first call for everything. I call him Maget, but obviously he's Mike. Yeah. <laughs> we had too many mics around at one point. Uh, yeah, you're obviously my first call for everything. So yeah, I'm usually free. That's why. Yeah. Or I'll make time. No, be, it, that's, time. that's not, it's not cause you're free. It's cause I like, I trust you. And what we do is a lot of them is have inherent risks. I wouldn't say we do anything that's outright dangerous. We do things that have a calculated measure of risk, which is based on what the activity is, what your level of experience and competency is, um, what, your, what kind of equipment you have, if you have the right equipment or not, and, and things like that. And so um, Mike here has a lot of uh, experience with uh, obstacle course races, really have amazing mind-body connection to, to do like, like tricking and backflips and all those kinds of cool stuff. And, and uh, one of my uh, students for freediving. So 
Um, it's yeah, I guess you are a bit more available than the average average person with your work flexibility. But like when we're out there, I literally we have to trust each other with our lives, and because um, what that's that literally comes down to that. Like if someone is if we're diving, you know, the absolute number one rule is you never dive alone. You gotta have that buddy system. Uh, when we're rock climbing and we're belaying each other, we if you know if I fall, you gotta catch me with the with the rope and the equipment, right? Mm -hmm. And so. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, if you have any, if you have any thoughts you've been holding back, uh, just go ahead and open up. <laughs> In relation to our cleanups. Any, yeah, anything with our cleanups, sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Again, I just want to iterate. It's it's a fun project to do, and I like to uh, make anything I do fun because um, it's like going to the gym. You know, some people like it, but others is tedious. And if you can make anything fun, it uh, you don't have to force people to do it. So that's that's what I try to do with anything I'm involved in. Mm. So. You, yeah, you have another aspect to your skill set that's pretty invaluable. It's your, 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 your drone um, piloting and videography. So that, that adds so much value to the, uh, to the videos I wind up making and posting so people can get that aerial shot or that just that zoomed out shot where you can really see the, the, that perspective and the difference we're making. Mm -hmm. you know, like uh, Oka Point, before you, you couldn't see the ground a lot of the time in a lot of the places because it was just buried. And um, so you have some just um, incredible shots of, uh, of us, of us uh, doing the cleanups and you, know, you can see this before and after um, kind of thing happening with our cleanups. Mm -hmm. Cool. So, yeah, well. So have you like um, tried to find, say, dump sites and stuff that we typically can't find uh, from the ground level with your drones? Like, um, I know, I know, uh, you've used your drones to find somebody lighting fires, right? Like, yeah, you, I, you caught someone lighting a fire with your drone. Yeah, wildfire. Yeah. I had yeah. video evidence. Yeah. Um, so something like that. Have you ever tried to, like, check out certain places that we don't really access, but your drone has access to? Um, I, I've tried a bit, but um, it's funny you ask because I've, I've actually never scouted for illegal dump sites. Hmm. Oh, that's but, a great but that would be very <laughs> invaluable tool to use. And yeah, I've, ne sure. I've never thought of it. Yeah, there's just so it just seems there's like limitless applications for drones. It's, for sure. it's after yeah after our last episode, it really just kind of opened my yeah. mind. Speaking of applications, I have like this small idea of picking up trash with a drone either with a, a big drone to carry you know your, your mesh bags full from however far away oh, that'd be so back nice. and forth yes yeah. yeah, so that's very possible we can definitely do that and then even um individual pilots picking up trash locally you know within a park or far away that you can just go there with a hook grab it bring it Yo. back with staying in one spot so That'd you be can a, have multiple pilots doing that. That'd be a cool like drone competition. Bring out the drone community. Yeah, <laughs> that, just I was like, just I was thinking that during this whole podcast. I'm like, yeah, I sh that'll be fun. That would be fun. That'd yeah. be that'd be really fun to see. Just for sure. Just flying around and like you know just this trash getting picked up. That'd be really cool. Exactly. Going back to your um, guy that was starting the fire. Uh, yeah. How, where was that? How, how that, did you find him doing? That was in Dandan, Dan, so um, you know near the dump. Yeah. Near it was near the NASA uh and I don't know station. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, um I was doing a, a project there for for work okay. and then I see a uh this plume of smoke. Like just this giant plume of smoke Whoa. in the in the air and I was like then I went to go check it out and I, I realized you know it's a forest or grass fire. Right, right. 
And then I was looking around and then see something moving in the grass and I, I, I see it's a guy. And, and, I, and I zoom in and I could see the trail of fire behind him and I see him going down with his lighter, lighting it, lighting it up, like just non, very nonchalant. He didn't get, give a care, yeah. you know, about getting caught because, you know, he's in the jungle, but he didn't see me, but I saw him. And, um, you know, I, I, I gave over the evidence to the appropriate authorities and unfortunately the fire department came. I didn't call them, but they came and all they did was give him a warning. So he, he got off, and I think uh, there's like there's supposed to be a fine or some legal action against him, but uh, maybe he has some. I think that's yeah. a felony. It's a felony. Isn't it? Uh, I, if it's fire. if it's straight up arson, then yeah, yeah. I imagine yeah. it yeah it would be. Yeah. Um, it's, it, yeah. it's it does speak to uh, I guess a, a cultural problem. It's just been so commonplace. We we kind of learned to not associate it. With its destructive nature and felonious being a being a felony, I'm not going to try to sound smart there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, with its, uh, its nature as a, as a felony, so uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So drones, uh, that'd be. I think it'd be really cool if there was like some kind of drone part, like community partnership. Let's say with the conservation officers, you know, going out looking for maybe fires when there's like a fire danger warning or just maybe I don't know looking for illegal dumping uh that'd be that'd be a really uh, interesting thing to see um yeah back, back on to the dumping uh you know I guess we have a few issues they're all, they're all under the umbrella term kind of pollution right but I think there's a, a few different things within there and this is just me talking out loud right thinking out loud you have littering which is mostly the focus of our extreme cleanups right and then you have illegal dumping, which is something um, I don't think we've touched yet. We haven't gone to, you know, one of these back roads or someone like pulls their truck in and just empties it out. And then we have uh, uh, marine debris, so mm. uh, junk that kind of like drifts in from, let's say, uh, from Asia or just from abroad. Um, I w the tech end could be either of those, I guess. But um, we have uh, plastic waste that comes in too. And uh, I gotta, I really just gotta take a minute to. Uh, to show this uh, video I made with two uh, eighth grade students uh, from Untalon Middle School. And they had this really cool project about microplastics. And I just want to play that uh, right now because it's, it's, it, it just, it warms my heart and it just gives me a bit more hope. We have these, these young girls thinking about these kinds of problems when I, when I was their age, I can't even remember being their age. I can't remember a single thought in my head and they're doing something really cool like this. And as I understand it, they didn't place like top three for this, but the next week they, I think they placed number one in some other kind of academic uh, ch uh, challenge or competition. So big <laughs> shout out to them. Um, Coffee Guam. I'm here with a couple of students from Unsalon Middle School. I'm Kaden Guzman. And I'm Jalen Han. <laughs> They're in the eighth grade and they had a cool science fair project about microplastics. You want to tell us about it? We wanted to show the plastic problem because it's bigger than most people think. It's easy to see plastic bottles and other bigger items, but it's harder to see microplastics. Some people even call it plastic sand because it's so small. In fact, we measured it. In every two tablespoons of sand, we found 10 to 30 pieces of plastic. They also came up with a clever way to separate the plastic from the sand. It was easy once we figured it out. We put the sand in beakers and filled the water up to the 300 millimeter line, which made the plastic float to the top because it has no tension. Then we used tweezers and pipettes to remove the plastic. 
I didn't have much hope the first time I saw the plastic sand at Poggle Bay, but with projects and attitudes like these, I'm feeling a lot better about our future. Oh, uh, Jody, you're just lighting up right now. Have you seen this yet? No. No? Isn't that amazing? No? Like how they figured out a way to measure sand. I mean, I'm yeah. sorry, measure plastic sand in the regular to sand. separate out. Yeah. 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 And then they also yeah. figured a way to separate it. So I'm all yeah. inspired by this. I'm like, oh, man, like what kind of mesh device or contraption can I make to get out there? Maybe well, exactly. Seafood. Yeah. But you've done this before, um, haven't you? I've done right the, there in Pago Bay? Well, the the mesh, we use uh -huh. mesh. Mel, Mel Bloss uh, was telling me, I think. Yeah. Um, different mesh types uh, to pull out different sizes of microplastics. Mm -hmm. And then I, there is an actual definition for what constitutes microplastics with a certain size. Mm. And so below a certain size, it's micro, and then you get a bit larger, and then it's macro. But, mm -hmm. but, uh, but yeah, definitely. Uh, but I like that uh, they separated out. I mean, it's very easy to do that. With yeah, water. it's so yeah. clever. Yeah. yeah, simple and clever. That's my yep. favorite two things. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, uh, you know, there's, I guess there isn't too much we can do about preventing like marine debris and plastics from drifting in, but you know, that doesn't make it not our responsibility. It's still our home and we should still like try to clean up our home and uh, if you're if you're watching or listening and you want to like lead a cleanup, please do. Um, you can tell me about it. I'll be happy to promote it, and then um, maybe I'll even join it or we'll partner up. Whatever, all options are on the table if uh, if it means our we can help out our island together. Um, uh, what else was I going to say about that? So yeah, oh yeah, well, yeah, it's really cool seeing these kids, man. I saw that video on your social media, uh, the Guam guy and. Man, like to have that sort of inspiration at such a young age, you know, like I feel like maybe you're so young yourself, yeah, too. Yeah, though. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, like I'm seeing these guys, are like, yes, yes, keep going, girls, you got this, you know, like you came up with that idea at that age. Wait till you're like two or three years older and like you get a car and you start like learning a whole bunch of other things about the world. You're going to be like super insurmountable for sustainability out here. And just, you know, good job. Really appreciate your work and uh, looking forward to all the great things you're going to do in the future. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, one of my inspirations is inspired by uh, you two. So uh, <laughs> that's that's really cool. Um, so I guess just to, to set us back a little bit, maybe a little controversial here. Um, so, again, we have littering, we have dumping, and we have, like, let's say marine debris. But let's take those first two, uh, littering and dumping. And a lot of the videos I post, uh, there's some really unfortunate comments that I see. And uh, it's, it's, uh, and people just say, oh, that's just the Chukis. The Chukis are the ones doing all of that. And I'd, I, I don't agree with that just from the start. But let's say, let's say there was an actual, like, report that was done, and it's completely unbiased. And let's say half of the littering was done by Chukis. I might be willing to accept that, okay? And I'll put that on the table. And if another report or study came out completely unbiased and it said that Chamorros were responsible for 90% of the dumping, I'd be willing to accept that too. And, and you know, the f facts are facts and we actually don't even have the, the facts, I would say. I don't think there's any been a report on this. Nobody, okay, everybody's shaking their heads. Um, but regardless of, of who's doing it, we still need to prevent it and, and, and just stop it. So I had this kind of um, idea. I talked to Senator uh, Clint Rigel about this just to get his feedback, who, and I apologize because he seems to become the default person to talk to anytime the word chukies is mentioned like in a negative way. And uh, we had a really great um, conversation. It was in three installments because we were both got distracted. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he said that you know some of it is 
in some places that are, are less developed, you know, when they throw away their trash, they just throw it anywhere because everything we've, and our ancestors included, was biodegradable. So we, when you throw something away, you're returning it and it becomes part of the, uh, the, the natural cycle of things. And some places haven't quite caught up to that yet. Some people who maybe move here haven't quite caught up to that yet. And I can accept that, okay. Um, the willful dumping, though, is a whole, whole other different story. Um, and, 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 but in any case, no matter what, like, it's, it's easy to kind of like complain about the problem, but uh, you don't really see so many people trying to solve it. And so I'm like, okay, if, if you want to just blame one particular group, okay, can you go a step further and try to work with them to overcome it? And even better than that, work with everything to overcome it. So you'll notice in uh, one of the shots earlier we showed at Oka Point, for example, we have that beautiful like, concrete platform. It had some graffiti on it. What if, uh, you know, what if we took a different approach? You know, back, going back to like, school stuff, we talk about STEM, right? Science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And then every once in a while, someone's like, hey, why don't we make that STEAM when, to include the A? Science, technology, engineering, art, and mathematics. And the way it's usually pitched is to try to get scientists or STEM people to be inclusive of artists. And I, I, I want to try to flip the script on that. What if we have artists who try to insert themselves into the scene. So I think it'd be a beautiful thing if we're doing a cleanup and we just have some people come out with chalk, right? And they'll do like multilingual, multicultural uh, chalk art, let's say on the platform, if you uh, maybe just write in, in whatever languages, English, Chamorro, Chukis, you know, in whatever culturally or whatever in language is most resonant, most powerful, like please respect, you know, our land or just take your trash with you. Keep it relatively positive. People don't like to be attacked, right? So just be encouraging of good behavior. And so um, maybe, uh, maybe I'll just end it there. So because <laughs> this is that's a hard thing to talk about, right? Um, uh, potential like race, like either outright racism or, or you know, sly racism. In any case, um, I, I here, yeah. I, I don't, I don't particularly see it as racism. I mean, I, I think it's just. And I don't think we should play the blame game, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I think for the most part, you see somebody dumping trash, no matter your race, you, that's, your, that's your character. Mm -hmm. you know, that's that person's character, that's not his whole people, mm -hmm. you know? True, um, yeah, very so true. When I see when I see people comment like, oh, those are those are all chukis, you know? It's like, no, man, like, that's that one guy, you know? Like, that's, mm -hmm. that could be that one guy. And, a person not, is yeah, not person, his or her people. representing all of them. Yeah. Um, and I think once we play the playing game, like you're not going to make anything better. You know, nobody's going to want to work with you. You know, you're, you're, you automatically choose your side. So I think it's best to, in terms of the debris and littering, like to just kind of address it as a community and kind of sh make it more, for me, make it a lot easier to get rid of your trash, you know, because I feel like these guys are going out and littering because they can't find a quick and easy way to dispose of their trash I mean, or they can't afford to dispose of their trash you're speaking a lot of truth yeah. we yeah, we do not have public receptacles trash cans um you know in many places yeah. and it, it sucks to see that these guys have reverted to throwing it up into the jungle and stuff I, where i live in rito um there's a site right next to us and i caught this one person throwing trash back there he had his mail in the trash Oh. So I found his name. <laughs> you know, then I found a phone number. <laughs> I was like, hey, man, did you throw trash up here? You threw it right behind my house. Okay. You know? I, I got to, like, talking to the guy. I was like, hey, man, I'm not trying to, like, get on you about this. I just would really prefer if you'd come up here and, you know, take it. Please dispose of it properly. Before you call EPA. Yeah, or the <laughs> law. <you know? laughs> come on. Mm -hmm.
Yeah. EPA does have a program of uh, if if the uh, identity of the person can be uh, determined from going through the trash, they will follow up on that, or they're supposed to be following up on that and um, levy a fine or whatever. But uh, I I think if I'm not mistaken, there might be something else coming down the chute with uh, with dumping, as far as dumping is concerned. Uh, I haven't heard yet. Yeah, uh, p possibly more punitive measures. But, but Will did bring up something that uh, there are people who can't afford the $31 or something like that uh, that is needed to, for, for trash pickup. Um, or they can't, uh, it could be laziness, or uh, in one instance, it was a person who was hired to remove trash and um, other solid waste from someone else moving out and that was dumped, unfortunately, at Mosso Reservoir, in a hole there at Mosso Reservoir. Yeah. And so we found it. There was all oh kinds my. of ID, ID in there. The owner, the original owner of the trash was contacted, and he said he didn't have any other contact for this guy. He didn't even get a receipt from the guy. So he just hired somebody who was, you know, kind of fly-by-night or something like that. But, um, but so there are those, uh, you know, weird, weird things going on as well, uh, people who you know, scam, keep the money, and then exactly. dump the trash elsewhere. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It's a lucrative industry. <laughs> you know, this is a, a yeah. really deep, deep rabbit hole. Talking yeah. about trash yeah. is one. We, as a society, as a people, create way more trash than we should. You know, I mean, we're an import island. Right. So we're constantly yeah. bringing in things from these corporations. One, the corporations tell us that recycling is our problem, right? Where it really isn't. Like, the, the, this sort of thing shouldn't be left to the little guy when the corporations are the ones that are actually providing us with all this plastic right like if we can convince somebody up in the higher ups way way up there to you know can, can we please revert to more biodegradable uh uses yeah. of these um products you know and i mean i furniture i don't understand <laughs> why would you want to throw away a couch in the jungle that doesn't make sense to me <laughs> but, uh, i've got two near my house yeah huh. you know, but like yeah. plastic bottles and stuff yes it, yes recycling should be more um like on people's minds but for the most part like it's just scratching the surface yeah. that those two plastic bottles you pick up there's a warehouse filled with thousands of those that are right about to go back out onto the market you know, and once it's back out on the market, there's no guarantee that that's going to make it to the trash can. Mm -hmm. So that's that marketplace is pretty much saying that, hey, we don't care how much you're going to put into your hands. That's your problem. You know, you got to figure out how to get rid of all that trash. Yeah, you, you can argue that like any which way. I guess it just depends on like fundamentally on your values. So mm -hmm. you could you could say like, no, their job is to produce the product. They produce the product. Their job is done. And I could totally see that argument, but I, I, I want to think a little bit bigger than that. Like, yeah, we produce a product, but we also want to produce a product that has like little to no impact or maybe improve our, our world that we operate in, that we depend on, right? And so um, I, I think it's a real not strong argument, let's say, to, to say that um, manufacturers, companies, whoever put out these products have no responsibility. Maybe they, maybe they do, maybe they don't, but in any case, why would you want to support that? You know, like, or, or more, better, let's say, why wouldn't you support if they wanted to do a better job? And in a lot of ways, like what you're saying, this trash, it's branded. Like, that trash that you find has a brand on it. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you can, yeah, you can trace that can. 
all the way back to where it came from. And the thing is, is we don't hold the person's name on that can responsible, which is Bud Light, or you know, <laughs> or uh, you know, I'm not going to throw out any specific uh, mm. commercial industries out there, but yeah, it's it, it's not like that can says Farron yeah. on it, you know, mm. or it says William. It it really goes back to this deep rabbit hole that we can go down about corporations and their um, issuance of trash to the general public. Mm. I, yeah, I think it goes both ways, too. I mean, if people just realize, uh, you know, we're not getting our plastics recycled anymore. China's not accepting it, hasn't mm. been accepting it for at least the last three years. And so that tra that plastic bottle that you buy at the store, it has to go into, th into the trash or, or else it's, or, you know, um, it, you just can't bring it back anymore. So, you know, behavior-wise, people can actually try to curb their behavior and just not buy those things. Um, I know it kind of might be a weird uh, <laughs> change, in, you know, people like King Car or something like that. Especially when, especially when you have a fiesta culture, you know. It's yeah. Like, hey, boy, give me that Coke. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I mean, yeah, but if you can just cool, think you about Coke, you got a problem. Yeah, yeah you know, it I, starts with reducing too. You know, I'm 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 hopeful. You know, the world is is changing. It's always changing, right? And it's changing slowly. <laughs> I, I was talking to. Uh, you know, Senator uh, Clinton about this too, about part of the problem is of all the trash we've been picking up. Since we do such hard to do things in difficult places to reach, some of that trash we pick up predates any kind of going green movement or even recycling itself. So hope, so maybe we're, uh, we're playing catch up with time mm. with some of our locations. And um, once we, we reach a critical mass or lack of it, then um, it'll be, you know, more almost self-sustaining with with how with how clean they're staying. Mm -hmm. All right, we're gonna have to wrap this up pretty soon, but I, I can't I can't wrap it up without shouting out um, some places. So, um, first of all, all the cleanup groups and anyone who's ever really made a difference. I, I can't possibly name them all, but uh, International Coastal Cleanup, for example, that churns out thousands of volunteers in a single day at a time is just mind-blowing that people come out for that, and it's an absolutely beautiful thing. Wish it all my love and support. I'll be out there, of course. Uh, your own group, uh, Eco Warriors. I didn't know you founded that, or, or was a founder. That's really cool, Eco yeah, Warriors. At, uh, way back in 2011, we uh, officially became long. a student org, and, and before that, we were GCC Green. Uh-huh. Who's yeah. the, what's the UOG counterpart? Or, uh, you know? back that, oh, uh, Green Army. Green Army, UOG, yeah. Green Army, thank you. Uh, love Guam. I'm not actually sure who they are, but I see their posts and I love them anyway, and I love them loving Guam. <laughs> uh, Roki Rosario, I gotta call this guy out by name, and his entire family, who are just mad, mad supporters of getting the island clean up, showing up with their, their vehicles and trailers and all their nieces and nephews and cousins. It's a, it's, it's a actually really amazing thing to see. Uh, that kind of family they support for these kind of things. They also support during the um, the uh, uh, Liberation Day parade. Uh, I hear we're going to have another one this year, possibly. Mm. Oh, uh, hasn't come so, on my radar yet, but I believe it. Yeah. So every Liberation Day parade for at least I don't know um, at least since 2013 or 12 even. Uh, the Rosario family has been out there, along with Miss Peggy Denny. Mm. Gotta remember Peggy. Oh yeah, of course, Peggy. Yes, and uh, wow. yeah. yeah, the Rosario family is just amazing. Mm. And yeah. of course, the 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 shoeless living legend herself, Linda Tatro. Yes. Uh, and Marine Mania. And Marine Mania too. Yeah. So just some absolutely incredible people out there, and groups uh, doing these cleanups and. 
Uh, on that note, we're gonna we have some more cleanups planned, and you'll notice we haven't we don't really do invites um, because, you know, small groups are really best for the kind of stuff that we do, and you know we're still kind of learning the rope, so to speak, with some of the stuff we do and how we go about operating. But you know we've gotten pretty good at a lot of these things, so I'm very very happy to announce we're going to be doing some partnerships. So I spoke with Kevin Nace at the Guam Overhang Club, and uh, he's agreed to come on and provide the technical support and maybe rent out his equipment for some more cliff and cave cleanups. Um, Riso Pier project was happening, was it July 3rd, you said? July 3rd. Uh, we will be kicking off at um, 0800 in the morning, and I really hope to see you guys there. All right. Uh, Reed Posnia, another guy I got to call out by name. I only met the guy once, but uh, he's really cool. I see his videos, uh, always out there on the trails. So I'll be working with him and the Guam Boonie Stompers and the Hashers. Uh, on doing some on doing some awesome cleanups that people you guys will definitely be invited out to. Um, any uh, any final words, parting words for the crowd, you guys? Uh, I just want to say thank you for the opportunity, Farron, to come down here and kind of. Okay, talk let's about like, let's stop. No no thanks. Uh, <laughs> some, anything else? <laughs> well, I I would like to mention something about dumping because I think right. people also may not be aware of where they could take their stuff. Okay. So things like white goods, you could take those to uh, Global Recycling, and they will take it for free. <laughs> oh. You might, they might charge you a bit of a fee for getting rid of the, uh, uh, the uh, coolant that's in the like refrigerators or something like that. But holy cow, I'm seeing washers and stoves and things like that. Um, yeah, so people need to be aware of like where they can bring their things couches take it to the transfer we stations. should have thought of this uh, talked <laughs> about this sooner yeah definitely yeah, okay, yeah cool so things like that all right yeah and we got yeah just like how you're explaining um it's good to take uh attack it at the source right you know uh it's great that we're doing all these cleanups but we, it, we it's important to have prevention right. and mm -hmm. of course that involves education and having resources for people to uh send their trash so they don't have to so we don't have all these problems Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, for watching, for listening. Uh, if you're watching, you'll see we're wearing Guam Extreme Cleanup Crew shirts. They're on sale. So even if you can't come out and physically help or if you're in the States and you want to help, you can buy a shirt and 100% of the money will go right back into doing more cleanups. Uh, you can buy shirts from four locations on island, which is just crazy. We have Southern Mountain Gear, who I'm repping today. Uh, we have uh, Mac Tech over in Oconto Mall in Tumon. We have GMI Scuba Wholesale in East Aganya, uh, right across from Crust slash uh, East Aganya Shell Gas Station. And then the local shop in Aganya Shopping Center with uh, Tony Siyama out there. Uh, so big thanks to everybody who's supported, who's bought shirts so far. We, the first couple hundred bucks we've made, bought some helmets. So yeah, you can see how, <laughs> how the, the capacity we're still trying to build in our building. And uh, I'm going to leave you now with a video uh, with the designer of the logo, uh, E. Christian, uh, or AKA Saving Serena on video, who created this beautiful logo for us. Uh, so thank you, my guests, for joining me, and uh, thank you, listeners and watchers, uh, for tuning in. Actually, before we get to the designer of the logo, I gotta talk about the printer of the shirts and all the stores selling them. These cleanups are a truly grassroots effort, and I'm amazed at the level of support and responses we've been getting. Said over at Digital Labs was an absolute pleasure to work with as we ironed out the details with the printing of the shirts. They were quick to communicate every step of the way and I never felt left in the dark. 
Not only that, but they were kind enough to offer their support to our efforts by providing a reduced price so that your purchase of a shirt is even more effective toward cleaning up Guam. You can find them on Instagram at digitallabs671 or visit their website www.digitallabsguam.com. Seriously, if you're in the need of some shirt printing or whatever else, just go scroll through their feed and see the quality they put out. They do a lot of uniforms and you know it takes a lot of trust and a quality product for so many sports teams and groups to go to them for their uniforms. The Guam Extreme Cleanup Crew shirts are available at MacTech in Aconta Mall, GMI Scuba Wholesale in East Agania, and the local shop in Agani Shopping Center. Southern Mountain Gear also have been incredible partners who have printed their own run of the shirts. More on them in a future episode of the Guam Guy Show. And I can't just tell you how happy and proud I am of our community coming together to support each other like this. And now, back to the logo designer. Okay, off the day of Guam, I'm here with E. Christian, a.k.a. Icky, a.k.a. Saving Serena on Instagram, whom I've been a follow of for years. And uh, we're here in Asiga, uh, the home of my favorite cookie in the world, no joke. And I just found out that they also have uh, lactose-free, milk-free ice cream, so I'm definitely going to try that after this. Uh, thank you for uh, hosting us, Asiga. And uh, how you doing, Vicky? I'm good. I'm pretty excited to be showing my face and, you know, discussing about the logo design that I created for Guam Extreme Cleanup Crew. Yeah. yeah. So this amazing logo, I'm still, like, so hyped it exists and how beautiful it is. So she made this. So the idea behind the GECC logo? Mm-hmm. Or GEC um, logo, yeah. The GEC? Okay. Yeah, say GEC, yeah. Uh, the GEC logo um, was originally like a four panel. It was supposed to be square. And if you put a little bit of wordplay into it, it's a big X, right, for extreme. Um, so the definition of extreme is reaching a high or highest degree or very great. So that's a literal definition. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> so it's X. Um, you know, we also put it in uh, the A and the X for extreme. But most importantly, the A, right? Um, because you want to be above, below, and beyond. So it's uh -huh. like. Above is like rock climbing, hiking, going up the mountain. It's extremely uh, like amazing. Ascend. Yeah. yeah and ascendant. then not only okay. is A like above, but it's also like for all terrains, right? Mm. Because we're, your concept is trying to go below. So it's like free diving, scuba diving, and especially like your videos was a lot of like inspiration for um, the four. Sports, extreme sports, mm -hmm. which was amazing because your main uh, request was that, the mesh bag. Yeah, so yeah, the original square concept I came up with, I'm like, can you make this look good and also make everybody hold mesh bags because it's supposed to be about cleaning up, right? It's supposed to have a bag to put trash into. And uh, I didn't know how to draw mesh bags, so I didn't <laughs> even try. And then she came up with uh, this is glorious bags and you can very clearly and obviously see what they're for. 
Yeah, so we started with my square concept and she rotated it just a bit to make it into an X. So we have that X in there to hammer down on the extreme aspect of it, right? And then she did something absolutely beautiful, which I would never have thought of. Um, she made the overall outline a Gosali flower, um, which uh, is one of my favorite flowers. Uh, Chayuti I prefer a little bit better, which has a cool story. But uh, yeah, that worked out just beautifully, extra local relevance. And, and then, so again, we started with a square kind of concept, which was just bad. And then she tried a few versions of it. I'll throw it up on the screen now. And then she made it into this beautiful thing. It did take a couple back and forth just for me to be ultra picky, which she was really cool about. <laughs> Sorry about that. And then we wound up with this absolutely gorgeous product. Just look at that. This is the uh, Southern Mountain Gear version. Initially, Saving Serena was just pictures of trash, and then like I was talking about the trash content and like history, and most importantly, like trying to show people what you can change in your lifestyle, mm -hmm. uh, so you can have better habits, better eco-friendly habits. Mm -hmm. um, and initially, I didn't want to show my face, just to show that it can be anyone that mm -hmm. picks trash mm -hmm. um, and that can have sustainable lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that was the concept behind it. So yeah, if you want to buy a shirt, they're available in four locations, which is just insanity to me. We made a shirt and they're available in stores, like actual stores, which I still am not over. Uh, they're going for 30 or, or $32. Uh, thir Southern Mountain Gear version is $32. And all of the money, again, will just go right back into doing more projects. None of the businesses themselves are actually taking a profit, purely just because they want to support uh, all the good work we're doing. Uh, uh, if you want to have some design work from uh, Saving Serena or Icky, Christian here, uh, how can people find you? Uh, people can find me on Instagram, saving.serena, um, and if you want... <laughs> Is there an email? <laughs> an email? You can email me at saving.serena.gu at gmail.com. Yeah, and I gotta tell you, like, uh, she was kind of an early inspiration for all of this, so... Uh, I used to, or I still do, but back years ago I was following her and I'm just seeing her go to the beach every weekend and, you know, hanging out with her family and she's just doing like cleanups with a little hand picker thing and she would make posts about the kind of stuff she would pick up and I just thought that was amazing. Like, it's just, you know, it's just a little con convenient cleanup. It's not a big show, like I have to make a big show on everything I do, right? <laughs> she's just hanging out with her family, just picking up trash while they're hanging out. And I just thought that was amazing, so I'm happy that uh, now I get to follow in footsteps like that. Yeah, that was the intuition. Because these are also like hand-drawn, so they're supposed to represent silhouettes because they can be anyone. They can be me, they can be you, they can be...